God. Let's give God a, let's just give God praise. Let's give him adoration. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God is so good. How good is God? That's a pretty good show. Hey, Debbie. Drove all the way up from Charleston to come to church this morning. Thank you. That's awesome. Welcome. Does anybody have a testimony? I hope you're lining up this morning something good God has done for somebody in this building. Somebody should. Somebody. Here comes Bill. He's got a great He's got a great. Yes, you do. And the rest of you just line. You can sit down. You can line up behind Dr. Bill. Yeah. Uh, good morning. And Lord, help me get this out. Um, you know, God wanted the Israelites to proclaim the miracles that he did over and over to each generation. Because there was a power in testimony of the goodness and the greatness of our God. And... Um, March 1st, two years ago, my daughter was in the hospital. She had a heart arrhythmia, and it just wore her out. Uh, it was going on for several days before we found out what was going on. And that was a Friday, and while Susan and I were in the room, and one of the grandkids, she said, Dad, I can't breathe. And her heart stopped, and we were kicked out of the room, and the nurses and doctors came in and went to work, and they put a tube down her throat and breathed for her and did CPR. And We were in the hallway when they wheeled her bed down to the uh, cardiac care unit, and it was a while. We didn't know what was going on, and um, the cardiac surgeon came out and said, well, We've got your daughter on a heart-lung machine, and it's a, one of these emergency things where they just jam big needles in your femoral arteries and get the circulation uh, going with blood and with oxygen in it. And uh, the cardiac surgeon said, well, your daughter's heart is, is barely functioning. It's at 5% of capacity. And he said, it looks like she'll need a heart transplant. And uh, they take her over to Charlotte to this special unit for these heart-lung machines. And she's also still has her endotracheal tube in her throat. And um, it, it doesn't look good. Um, there was a janitor in the hallway with one of these big, long, Dust mops. He was mopping the hall, or dusting the hallway floor. And as my daughter went by, he looked at her and he looked at me. And I was visibly shaken, I'm sure. And he said, "She's going to be okay." Praise God. And I'm thinking, what does he know? <laughs> you know, I'm the doctor here, and I know too much in this situation. And he looked at me again and said, she's going to be okay. And I knew that he was an angel in some way with a, <clears throat> with a direct message from the Lord for us. And um, we went over to Charlotte and were with Betsy most of the time. And the prayers of the people were just going up. The intercessors and impact were 
powerfully praying and people in the community, our friends, uh, were praying. And Don and Terry came over several times. We had a prayer cloth that was put on our pillow. And then the miracles just started happening. You know, one of the nurses who was involved in the situation at Northeast said, you know, we didn't care if she lost her legs. We had to get into those femoral arteries quickly to restore circulation. We didn't know anything about that till later. Um, the doctors in Charlotte said she'd be on this machine for so many days and that she'd have her endotracheal tube in for so many days. Well, she beat every one of those timetables. She came off the machine early. The tube came out early, and she recovered beautifully. They did a test on her heart just a few days later, and it was functioning at 35% instead of 5 which was a huge miracle. And she is alive and well and taking care of her four children. And I'm very thankful. You know, it's not necessarily what that janitor knew, it's who he knew. That's right. And he had a direct line, I believe, with God Almighty. And uh, he was there to give you a message, you and Susan. That's precious. Yeah, we were there. I remember when Bruce called me. I was in Concord, and I can tell you where I was sitting in my car. And he said, it's not good. So we went flying up to the ER in Concord. But when we saw your daughter in, in Charlotte, it did not look good in the natural. But God. But God. Thank God. Thank God for, for just intruding into the natural with his supernatural, right? Thank him for breaking open the natural with his supernatural. Aren't we glad about that? Is he, surely somebody has something... Come on, Karen, that God has done incredibly wonderful today. Small compared to what we just heard. But a couple weeks ago, I told you some friends found a place, a permanent place, beautiful place. Well, yesterday I found out two other people who had been coming here for prayer, usually on Wednesday nights, um, Rodney and Rebecca. They also found a place. So it seems to me like my friends are doing really great, and I'm so excited. Praise God, yes. Okay, Miss Leslie, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Yes. Well, I've got a grandson who, when he was 18 months old, he went for his regular scheduled doctor visits where they do everything that they do according to protocol. And shortly after that, we noticed a big change in the way he acted and also in his growth patterns. So by the time he was five years old, he was still the size of a two-year-old. They did every test, all the celiac, pituitary, everything, could not ever determine what was going on. He seemed normal in every way, except he just didn't grow. And so, of course, we began praying over him, speaking over him all those years, and, and he has continued growing. Um... And now he is 18 years old, and he's he's as tall as I am, almost a little bit taller than me now. But from the time he was little, all he ever wanted to do was be a professional football player. <laughs> it's like he was like football man. And 
he went to every practice. He practiced harder than any other player out there. He did more push-ups. He, when it was time to stretch, he stretches more than anybody else. He was faithful. And so this Friday night, he's on the varsity team. And of course, he's, he's the little guy that stands over there watching everybody else play. He's dressed out. But of course, you know, unless the score is like 30 to nothing, it's coming, and it's two seconds left he, in the game, he just gets to watch. Well, this Friday night, the score was 27 to nothing and they were up. And so I looked up and I said, Peyton's on the field. And so, of course, we're getting our cameras and everything. And Peyton got out there and he tackled the guy with the football and they called his name over the loudspeaker. And I'm just like, thank you, Jesus. You are so good to us. I think, wasn't David kind of a little fella? David was a little guy. I think his, his giant was nine feet tall. We saw your celebration on Facebook with the pigs. That's why it was so important to you. Yes. Thanks for sharing. Those are great pictures. Hello, everyone. <laughs> My testimony is similar to Dr. Bill's daughter. In 90, I was shot in the right upper chest with a 45. And as I was going going to the hospital, the guy that shot me actually took me to the hospital. And uh, as we, we got... We won't go into that. <laughs> <laughs> as we got close to the hospital, I started losing losing my breath. I could barely speak. So when I got to the emergency room, this girl that I know, she worked in ER. I said, Ann, how bad is it? And she just bust out crying. So they rushed me to OR. And as they was taking me to the operate, operating room, this lady, she stopped, stopped us. I said, do you mind if I pray with you? She prayed she prayed over me, and she said, you're going to be all right. When I got out, I went back to the hospital to thank that lady for her prayers. She didn't exist. Wow. Ron, I hope you've changed all your associates, right? You don't have any more? Okay. <laughs> Just making sure on that one. I want us to stand, and I think the Lord wants to heal people today. Well, I want you to stand, if you will. And, you know, God is a healer. He's Jehovah Rapha. And whatever your physical need is. You know, I was reading, thinking this morning, um, in Mark 16, it says, And these signs shall follow those who believe. And one of those signs is, You shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And I was thinking about that this morning because, you know, I have a brother who's very sick and I have two dogs who are going to have to have surgery and I pray for them too. But I, I, I said, God, you didn't say, and these signs shall follow those who believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they might recover. Or they'll lay hands on the sick and, you know, if they do this, it's just, just you're, you're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover. I want you to lay hands on yourself, wherever, just anywhere. If you need healing in your body, healing in your mind, Healing in your emotions. Because the Bible says if you lay... Though, and every one of you believe, right? You believe that Jesus is healer. You believe God is faithful to His Word. We believe. And those of you that are watching by Facebook or YouTube or whatever, you're 
then you, you're watching. I want you to do the same thing. And I'm going to lay hands on myself for my brother. Because he needs healing. And I believe God, he didn't say any if, ands, or buts. He said, you lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So, Father, you see our hearts, you see our hands, you see us, Father God, standing in faith, believing your word. Your word clearly says those who believe will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Father, we speak for healing in our own bodies, our our spirit, our mind, our souls, Father God. And we declare life, health, and wholeness in our minds, in our bodies. Father, for those who are watching and those we're standing in for, Father, we declare life, health, and wholeness in their bodies. We rebuke sickness. We rebuke cancers. We rebuke diseases in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we fully expect them to recover. That's what your word promises us. So, God, we're so thankful for your word. We're thankful that you're not a man that you can lie. God, you don't say one thing today and mean something else. Lord, you don't change your mind, Father God. If you healed a 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago, you healed today. Your word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your word is forever settled in the heavens. You are your name. You are the great I am. God, I just want to thank you. I want to praise you. I just want to give you glory, Father, because of who you say you are. In the mighty name of Jesus. And I want us just to take a few moments. And I want us just to articulate to God how incredibly wonderful and awesome he is. I want to hear some voices. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. You are God. You are Jehovah God. Your name is above every name, mighty God. Every knee must bow to your name. Every knee must submit itself to your name. The the name of cancer and diseases have to submit themselves to Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Black and poverty have to submit themselves to Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Father, mental confusion and depression has to submit itself to you, Father God, Jehovah Shalom. And God, we declare the incredible, awesome, wonderful, matchless name of Jesus Christ in this house today. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you, God, for your presence. When your presence is here, things change. Things are different. People are healed. God, you healed all of those who came to you when you walked the earth 2,000 years ago. God, we're coming to you. We're bringing to you those that are sick. And God, we fully expect you to be God. We fully expect you, Lord, to be the same today as you were 2,000 years ago. And we declare it and we thank you. We adore you. We love you. We rever you. We honor you, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, 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 amen. Oh, God. 
chases me down, fights to laugh and leads to the ninety-nine. I couldn't hurt it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away.
the line drawn in the sand The end of all the striving Now I am born again There Jesus was forsaken So I will never be His grace is my salvation The gift of God The work of Calvary His mercy is complete. His love is not in question. The Son of God has spoken all Say it. 
I feel like we still can't move. We have the authority. If you have dealt with depression, anxiety, it's not just physical sickness that the Lord can heal. It's mental too. If you have anxiety, depression, I would like you to get uncomfortable with me. If you have stress, whatever your giant is, how about you come up to the front? We're not here to make fun of you or put shame on you. This is your day for victory. No more. This is your slingshot. This is your rock. This is your everything to throw at your giant. Because this giant has to bow in the name of Jesus. And I want this. This is a warfare bridge right here. This is a warfare. And as we sing this, take your authority. Because depression is not greater than my God and your God. Anxiety is not. Stress is not. Sickness is not. In the name of Jesus, we curse depression. We curse anxiety. We curse sickness. Lord, you are the, on your throne. And we cast it off in the name of Jesus. You are no more devil. You cannot rule anymore. I am looking at warriors, soldiers in your army. In the name of Jesus, as we enter into this bridge one more time. And at the end of it, it said it's finished. It's finished. Jesus' name is above all things. I feel like the Lord just said it's above arthritis too. I don't know who that's for. I don't know who that might be. But if there's arthritis in here, you put your hand on that. Because my God, your God is bigger than that arthritis in the name of Jesus. Resurrection power over every circumstance. His word stands final and forever. It will not be shaken. He alone has
Father, we thank you for Jesus. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you. We thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you that you've triumphed over every foe, every evil, every darkness, everything that would hold us down, everything that would keep us from seeing you for who you are. to see you, your face, your beauty, your glory. You're so good. So loving. We're going to bring it down a little bit here. Amazing love that welcomes me, the kindness of mercy that bought with blood wholeheartedly my soul undeserving. God, your soul. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. Let's go back and do that first verse again. Amazing love. Amazing love. That welcomes me, the kindness of mercy. Bought with love, wholeheartedly, my soul undeserves. You're so.
Father, we thank you for the individuals in front of me right here, right now. We thank you, Lord. It is sealed by your name, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. No more bondage in any of depression or anxiety or whatever might be bombarding them. Because we believe what your word says. And that is that you died so that we could be set free. But you didn't just stay there. You was resurrected. And now we can resurrect with you in the name of Jesus. Set free. Running with you. And we know in the name of Jesus when the devil tries to come back. When the devil tries to come back. You tell him where you where he belongs. You take your authority. In the name of Jesus we thank you Lord. We give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. We thank you for the testimonies that are coming forth. In the name of Jesus. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to let me hear you sing just the voices now. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. 
power that's greater than any stronghold in our life. We break the power of the enemy of the lives of your people in this house today, Lord. Maybe some that didn't come forward, Father God, but you know their hearts and you know their cries to you, God. And you hear their cry and you come down to bring deliverance and you came down to set them free, Father. You feel their pain. Thank you, Father God. Only you can do what we have seen today. Only you can do this, Lord. God, we're so thankful. So thankful. Bless you. Bless the Lord. 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 They fought with blood. Oh, God, you're so good. God, you're so good. We can never tell you enough. God. You're so good. Bless you, Lord. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. God, you're so good. Once more, 
I hear the Lord saying, I appeal to you, surrender yourself unto me. I will take you through the deep waters. I will never fail you. I will never leave you. I will comfort you. I will be beside you. Trust me. I love you. Surrender yourself to me. I will take care of you. I will provide for you. I love you. You are my children. Thus saith the Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. And I just, I felt like I needed to tell you the rest of the story. Is that when Peyton was 10 years old, we noticed one afternoon that he was dragging his leg. And so we took him to the doctor the next week, and the doctor determined that he had Perthes disease, which is typically something that is in young boys. They have it more often than girls do. There is no cure. It's where the uh, socket in the hip is not properly formed. And you'll often see it in young men who drag a leg behind them when they walk. You, you see it in people. And they recommended that maybe we do a body cast for about six weeks and see if that helped. And, you know, to us, that was unthinkable. Um, he likes to play. But he did say, you know, it won't affect his health, but he'll never be able to run and play like other children. And he'll never play sports. And you can just, you know, expect he needs to be on crutches probably for the rest of his life. And so we said no. No, we don't accept this. We never said that he had Perthes. They diagnosed right. that, but that was not ours. And so it was not long, maybe two months later, this little boy was at the dump with his crutches throwing trash in with his family, and he said, I'm healed. And he took Whoa. those crutches and threw them over in the dumpster. And he's been healed from that ever since. But that makes the tackling story That's right. so much more powerful. And That's his right. middle name is Stone. And it's that same stone that took the giant's head Amen. off. Amen. And so Amen. You, you've got a pocket full of stones. Amen. Take that giant's head wow. off. That's awesome. What a story. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord. So um, as we were worshiping and praying, the Lord showed me a vision. And it was a, it was a sky that was dark, cloudy. But there was a wind that was blowing through, and you could see the clouds parting, and you could see the sun shining through and break through, and you could feel the warmth of the sun upon you. But the wind was still blowing, and there was more clouds that were coming. And I feel that the Lord is saying there's breakthrough, and some of the ground that's been taken today is taken. It is taken, but we have to hold it. That's right. We have to hold it. And even when the dark clouds come back again, we can't give up on it. Because the breakthrough is here. It has been delivered. It has been promised. We have to stand firm upon the Lord, 
firm upon his promises, firm upon his goodness. Good word. That's awesome. Thank God. God is good, isn't he? I want you to greet each other just for a couple of moments. Holy hug. Safe distance. 0.5 seconds. God is awesome, isn't he? Well, you guys really set up my message um, for today. God really set it up. And it's all about hanging on and holding on to what God has promised for us, right? How many want all the blessings of God? I know I do. I want all the blessings of God. And God is God is awesome, awesome. We've still got kingdom business going on up here. Abram, we love you. We're proud of you, man. Proud of you. Don't you love him? We don't love you nearly as much as God loves you. So good to see everyone today. So good to see everyone. Let's keep in in our prayers. And I want to encourage you, make sure you check your email. I've changed my email format to constant contact, so it may not look the same. And so I know some of them are not getting open that normally always wants to know what's going on. But it... So it may come in a little different format, but that's where you're going to get all the information, people to pray for, events going on through the week, those kind of things. And uh, God is awesome, isn't he? We never know what God is going to do. We never know what he's going to do. But we're excited to know that he's here and that he's doing, right? We're excited to know. And so I want to begin uh, this week just by, I'm really, I'm continuing. You know, the last few weeks we've been talking all about the promises of God. How many want the promises of God? Let me tell you, they're yours. Every promise of God, if you're a believer, they belong to you. But we see so many lives that are not, do not see that fulfillment in their life. They're struggling with this thing or that thing or sickness or poverty or, or frustration or depression or anxiety. That's not the promise of God. The promise of God is the exact opposite of all of those things. And so we want to, we, we've been talking about being Goshen people and that's where God has drawn a line around us and he makes a distinction and circumstances. I love the songs that, that Pastor Dan chose. Circumstances don't, don't affect us the way they do the world, right? You know, we just saw us, I, I, I predicted, I wish I hadn't predicted this, that gas would be $4 a gallon. We just saw a, a sign that said $4.29 a gallon. You know, it doesn't affect me, right? We're going to fill up our car and we're going to go just like we did before, right? We're going to, you know, we thank God that he provides whether whether the interest rate is 18 or whether the interest rate is 2%. God provides. Gas is $2 a gallon, $4 a gallon. God provides, right? And we don't get caught up in fear because we are Goshen people. God always makes provision. If, we're going to see why, how. And the word that came from Pastor Dan and also from Brenda, you know, God has got this, but we've got to hang on to it. We've got to hang on to those blessings. We've got to appropriate those blessings in our lives. You know, we looked a couple of weeks ago at, at the blessings of God and we looked at the difference in the Barak, 
Barak blessing, which is the blessing that God spoke over us at Genesis one twenty eight. That's that's He's endued us with the potential for success, and potential means that we have the ability. But it's it's you know, it's not it's you know potential energy is what it's energy that's stored. Potential success is energy that's stored, but it's waiting to be released. And we and we looked at how we release that that success, how we release that blessing of God. And then we looked also, which is the Acer blessing. And that's that's basically how we release it, by walking in obedience to the things of God. And then last week we looked at simply gospel. And that's where supernatural, God's supernatural power invades the natural realm, upsetting everything that we see. As we mentioned before, Mark 16 says, those who believe will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. That's supernatural invading the natural, isn't it? You know, in the natural sense, as as uh, Leslie was talking about with her grandson Peyton, they get, they give a diagnosis, and that's what they do. We think we're thankful for God for do- doctors, but we're more thankful for God, right? With Bill and Susan's daughter, when they said five percent heart and need a heart transplant, thank God, thank God for doctors, but thank God for God, and thank God for praying saints. People all over the city were praying, and so we, we you know, we're so appreciative of the power, the supernatural power of God in our lives, and and so we we should never apologize. For God's blessing and favor. We should actually expect it. We should expect the blessing. We should expect the favor. And you know in Genesis 1.28. God tells us that he spoke blessing over his creation. And all through the Old Testament. Man's sin separated him from God. And if you read the story. You know you know, we're reading through the Bible. Aren't you glad we're out of Leviticus? We, we came out of Le- Leviticus on Wednesday. Thank God we're out of Leviticus. But you know that I'm going to be ministering out of Leviticus today, by the way. But it's a powerful, powerful message in there. If you can wade through everything. And some might say, well, numbers is not a whole lot better. <laughs> but it is, it is a little better, maybe. But anyway, so we, we looked at how uh, the man's sin separated him from God. But what did God went to the nth degree? Because he so loves us, he wants to bring us back into fellowship and relationship with him. But God said, these are the things I want to happen. This is the plan I have. I want you to be obedient. Then you're going to be good in my sight. And Leviticus 16, 16 says, talking about the process that in, uh, the Lord gave to Moses for the requirements for Aaron just to enter into the Holy of Holies. Goats, bulls were slaughtered, wearing certain garments, laying heads on the hands of the scapegoat for people's sin, sacrifice rituals. All of this was to make people acceptable in God's sight. And Leviticus 16 says, through this process, he, the saints, will purify himself and the people, making them right with the Lord. But aren't we so glad we don't have to go through all that today? I am so glad we don't have to go through all that today. And But this was how people made it right with the Lord. <clears throat> so obedience to God's plan was required. So we should expect blessing because God expects obedience. And if we get obedience, if we are obedient, God sends the blessing. But we also see how disobedience has a fruit as well. If we look in Leviticus 10, just quickly, just very quickly, we're going to look at how Nadab and Abihu, they didn't do what they were supposed to do, and they had, didn't get the blessing, did they? But it says, now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire. Now, some might call that strange fire, false fire, profane fire, unholy fire, whatever you want to call it. It says, but they offer this unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them to do. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. That was a pretty strict 
That was a pretty strict punishment, wasn't it? Wrong fire, zap, you're gone. And then it says, then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord said, among those who are near me, I will be sanctified and before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. And we see that, you know, God requires obedience. And I was just wondering, and this is kind of an afterthought, but how many animals actually were sacrificed? You ever think about it? You know, we're reading a little story. It sounds like one little goat and one little, one little, uh, you know, uh, cow or whatever they use, bull or whatever. But the, if, just doing a little bit of research, it said in a couple of sources that as many, listen to this, 1.2 million animals a day were sacrificed. That's incredible. It said that the, the, the priests would actually wade around up to their knees and higher in the blood of the animals. Can you imagine that? On the day that the temple was dedicated, 142,000 cattle, sheep, and goats were dedicated just at the temple for that temple dedication. I can't even imagine that many animals, can you? Think about all the animals that came in, you know, each of these Passover seasons and, and they were all, the people would come to Jerusalem and that's why selling the animals and all of these other things became a big, a big ploy to make money. And suddenly what was offered, was supposed to be offered as a pure sacrifice to God became a money maker. And so God didn't like that. So God gave the man a way into his presence and to find acceptance. And you know, God got pretty sick of it too. Did you know that? He got pretty sick of it too. And if we look over in Isaiah chapter 1, we're going to see where God says, listen, he said. Listen to the Lord, you leaders of Sodom. Listen to the Lord, you uh, uh, of God, you people of Gomorrah. What makes you think I want all the sacrifices, says the Lord? No, he says, I'm sick of it. And then he tells them why. He says, I'm sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fatted cow. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. Now, this is years and years and years. 1.2 million per day. How do you have that many animals? I mean, that's why I guess they have so many in a litter, <laughs> you know. But well, I guess, I don't know, cows probably have one at a time. They don't think goats. Somebody was just telling me their dog's having puppies. They're going to have 10. They, ooh, that's like having 10 kids. But uh, he says, I get no pleasure. So when you come to worship, this is why you, when you come to worship me, who asks you to pray through my courts with all your ceremony? And why are you going through the motions? And then it goes on to say, and it says, stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgusts me. As for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath and your special days for fasting, they're all sinful and false. I don't want any more of these things. I don't want any more of your pious meetings. I don't want any more sacrifices. What was he after? He was after the heart. And, and then verse uh, 16 and 17 says, wash yourself and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, fight for the rights of the widows. You see what God is, God's heart is after us caring for his heart. And so we, and even today we see, if we can see in our churches where there may be no reverence for the things of God. There may, may be no reverence for God. I was thinking this morning, you know, there's a guy named Dr. Benjamin Spock. Anybody ever heard of him? Yeah, back way back in what, 70s, I guess it was, he came out with this book on child care. And this is what he said, totally contrary to the word of God. He says, don't you discipline those poor little things because you'll, you'll abuse their little uh, fragile ego. And you know what he said before he died? We've created a generation of brats. By the way, they're running our government now, by the way, just in case. Okay. And they're running our schools. He said, we've produced a generation of brats. We have this thing called powder puffs. I was talking to somebody today and we're talking about the kids just can't take any kind of discipline because it just it just messes them up. Bless their sweet little hearts. You know, we want to just give and give and give. 
And I know some of those kids are in here, but we have awesome kids in this church because they've heard the truth. They've heard the truth and they're hard workers. Yes, they are. And so, you know, we also had this thing called the seeker sensitive generation. This is what happens when you deviate from God's plan. Generations of people followed Dr. Benjamin Spock and raised their children this way. And he said, we've created a generation of brats. And then we had this thing called the seeker sensitive generation around 1970, 75. And so suddenly somebody got this great idea that, you know, we're, it's, we really need to change the way we do things. We want to appeal to people with the world's methods. Now, the person that said this in 2007, the person that started this in 2007, Bill Hybels is his name. He's one of the key leaders, founders. He said, "Is we've made a big mistake. What we have created is a bunch of people, but not disciples. We've created people that know how to come to church and be entertained, but we have not made disciples. We've not made them to want to desire to read the word of God. I thank God for our young people, especially our young men that are, that we got young men in here that love the word of God. That's, that's incredible. We thank God for that. That's good parenting. It's also a good heart. God has grabbed their heart. So, so we, we need to rever God. His presence is holy. His word is holy. His tithe is holy. His name is holy. How flippant do we get sometimes? How flippant do we get in our language when we just, you know, oh my, or how about G? Hate that. You might as well say Jesus. You know, when we take God's name and see his name is holy. Let's not profane that name. But God did not want all their phony religious practices. Any morning wants them today, by the way. We can come to church and we can raise our hands, we can shout, we can run, but is our heart really with God? Are we really wanting to follow God or we just want to do, you know, we just feel comfortable. We shouldn't feel comfortable in this church, <laughs> really. But God has always wanted our hearts. And he wants our hearts so much that he took away the old system. He made the way so simple for us. But it's obedience that brings the blessings of God. And it always has. Let me just give you a few scriptures. Deuteronomy 12, 28. We love Deuteronomy. We love the book of Deuteronomy. We love the promises of Deuteronomy 28. This is 12, 28. Listen to what it says. Be careful to obey all the commands. See, obedience. So that all will go well with you. And with your children after you. Because you will be doing what is good and pleasing to the Lord your God. So what's he saying? He said, if we obey the word, the commands, life's going to go well with us. How many needs for life? Don't raise your hand. How many needs for life to be better for you? Yeah. Okay. Obeying the commands of the Lord. And since it might be just little, we think, seemingly insignificant things. Like the way we conduct ourselves. Do we come into the house of God with an attitude of worship and praise? Do we give God glory? Are we giving him what he says is, is holy? Do we give to the poor? Do we take care of the widows and the orphans? These are the things that God could do. How do, we, how do we care for each other? Do we love each other as much as we love ourselves? Do we love God with passion and compassion? Deuteronomy 5.33, listen to this. says, stay on the path that God, the Lord your God has commanded you to follow. Then, that's a big word, then you will live long and prosperous lives in the land you're about to enter and occupy. So stay on the path that the Lord's your God. How are you going to stay on the path if you don't know the word, right? The word is so critically important. We're talking about doing life God's way. We're talking about doing, I'm telling 99.9% of the time when people come to me with crises in their life, they're not doing life God's way in some area. In some area. In some area. I've talked to people who are struggling with anxiety and depression. And I'll say, what's coming out of your mouth? You're speaking the word. I don't know what you, how about worship in your house? We don't do that much. Well, there's your problem. 
What are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you putting into your mind? Above all you guard, you're to guard your heart, which is your mind, your ear gates, your eye gates. See, these are the little things God is telling us to do. Speak the word, the life and death and the power of the tongue. What is coming out of our mouth? Are we speaking death to our things in our life? Are we speaking death to our finances, death to our children, death to our marriage, death to this country? First John, you said, that's Old Testament. Let's get into the New Testament. First John 3, 22. And we will receive from him whatever we ask. How many likes that? God, I can ask you anything and you're going to give it to me. Now let's read the rest of it. Because we obey him and do the things that please him. See, there's a reason that we can ask and expect to. We can't be coming up in here and asking God for this and that and everything else. And we're living in a life that's inconsistent with the word. It's just not going to happen. You might have a grace period for a minute or two. But it's, sooner or later, it's going to catch up with you. How about John 9.31? We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. You say, well, I thought everybody was a sinner. No, not if you repent. What if I sin today? Repent today. Because if you repent, he says, I'm faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. Quit worrying about what you did 20 years ago. For Pete's sakes, get it under the blood and leave it alone, right? Just let it go. The devil's going to keep telling you every bad thing you've ever done. That's the lie of the enemy. We're, we don't we don't accept that, right? We're under the blood today if we truly repent. Now, repent doesn't mean I'm going to take the cookie because I know God will forgive me. No, that's not that's, that's presumptuous faith. No, I took the cookie, and I am so sorry I took the cookie, and I will never take the cookie again. God, would you help me not take the cookie? That's That's repentance, okay? Third John 2, beloved, and I pray that you are prospering in every way. See, that's, that's God's plan and that you continually enjoy good health. But what? As your soul prospers. This is why we go through Luke 4.18 for soul prosperity. If your soul prospers, your life will prosper. If your soul prospers, your mind will prosper. And if your mind prospers, your emotions will prosper. If your emotions prosper, your behaviors will prosper. Do we see the connection here? God's will has always been his way and his will is always his word. That's why it's so important that we know the word, that we have the word, that we read the word. And he has so desired to bless us that he himself fulfilled every requirement. He filled every requirement. I, I, I read through Leviticus. Thank you, Jesus, that you did this. Thank you, Jesus, that you did this. I'm so glad that you did this. And, and you know, he made it so simple for us. So love always leads to Obedience. I want to ask you, how are you doing life? How are you doing life? If we're not obeying God, we don't love him. That's strong, Donna. That's the Bible. I'm going to show you that in a minute. Are you doing it your way or are you doing it God's way? Well, God, everybody's doing it. I mean, I don't know what the deal is. It's just not your word's not relevant in this particular area. No, it's not relevant in your particular greed and lust. That's what it is. I just want to do it this way because everybody's doing this anyway. Well, that's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that we're to be pure and holy and separate from the world. That's old-fashioned. No, that's the Word of God that is forever settled in the heaven and never changes. If if the Word is old-fashioned, then the blessings that come with it are going to be old-fashioned. If the Word is not relevant, then the blessings in our life are not going to be relevant. God, I'm praying for healing. I'm praying for prosperity. I'm sorry, that's not relevant. You said it wasn't relevant. To the word, the word, when we do these things, if we stay on the right path, when we obey him, when we listen to him, he promises the blessing. And the scripture tells us he gave us a better covenant with better promises. That word better just simply means superior. 
He gave us a superior, superior covenant with superior promises. Hebrews 8, 6 says, But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. Why is it better? Thank God we don't have to go through all that stuff. It's simply faith in what God says. You know, Jesus said in Mark 11, 20, I think, or 22, he said, have faith in God. That's the problem. We just got to have faith in God, faith in his word, faith in his love, faith in the fact that he sent his son. All we have to do is believe in his son. And if we love Jesus, we're going to be obedient. How many of you, when you got born again, nobody had to tell you that what you were doing was wrong before? Anybody have to give you a list? You can't do this anymore. No, your heart told you. Your heart told you because Holy Spirit was in there to tell you that this is not right. Nobody had to tell you certain things because God was there and His holiness was there. Hebrews ten eleven through 16 says, Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same old sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sin. All he did was cover it. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all times. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There, there he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. See, it's a process. I want you to be here Wednesday night. Pastor Dan's starting a series on the foundations of our faith. He's going to talk about sanctification. He's going to talk about the process. See, sometimes we forget that, you know, we have to grow and we have to learn and we have to change some things. We have to break some old habits. Romans 12 tells us we have to renew our minds. How do we do that? By transforming it by the Word of God. We change the way we think. We change. We have to get rid of some old neural pathways that have been formed in our lives that send us back to bad habits. See, we want to get some new pathways formed that's going to send us to the good habits, right? Where do you run to when you get stressed and and anxious? I was talking to somebody this week who's struggling with some alcohol issues, and I said, where do you run when you get lonely? To alcohol. Why don't you run to God? Run to God. Learn that He is your source. He is your strength. Where do you run? I run to porn. I run to drugs. I run to whatever. No, run to God. We've just become, we've become comfortable in taking these old pathways, and these things don't do anything but further exacerbate our depression and our anxiety and frustration, and it just keeps compounding and making it worse. For by one offering he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says, this is the new covenant. I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart and I will write them on their minds. That's the incredible, incredible beauty of of being born again. He says, you can't even understand the kingdom till you get born again. 1 John 2, 5 and 6 says, Whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk as Jesus walked. Whoever, that word ought doesn't, doesn't give us a choice. It really should, it's an obligation. Whoever says that he abides in Christ is obligated to walk like Christ walks. So every one of us that raised our hand and said we're believers, we are obligated to walk as Jesus walked. We're obligated to think like he thinks. We're obligated to talk like he talks. That's what we have. That's the requirement that he has placed on us. But it's not a heavy thing to do, is it? Because is it, a, is it, those of you don't, you know, don't raise your hand. Well, this crowd can raise your hand. Is it an obligation to be faithful to your spouse? No. You don't get up in the morning, except for Brenda. 
The one who gave that intense prophetic word a while ago. If you love your spouse, you don't get up in the morning and say, oh God, I hope I can be faithful today. You don't do that, do you? Oh, I just hope God help me that I won't be unfaithful. You don't do that. You don't, it doesn't even cross your mind. You don't have another thought for anybody but the one that you love. And that's the way our heart, you know, we have these two dogs. Y'all know about them, Molly and Callie. And Molly is, you know, the queen bee and Callie's the rescue. Well, Callie will not let us out of her sight. And if we're in the living room and one of us goes into another room, she gets in the doorway in the living room so she can keep an eye on both of us. Seriously. She does not want us out of her sight. And when we're near to her, she wants a hand on her. She's constantly looking. She sat down beside me at my desk last night or yesterday. one day, And I looked down at her and her eyes were just like this, staring. She never takes her eyes off of us. That's the way we should be for God. Because let me tell you, he never takes his eyes off of you. He never takes his eyes off of you. Do we have our eyes on God? Our eyes looking over here. Oh, that's a cute thing. Oh, I think I'll do this. No, God says, I want your eyes staying on me. He is the lover of our soul and our life. Love leads to obedience. And I'll say it again. If, we don't, if, we're, not, if we're struggling with obedience, we just don't love God enough. If you're struggling with being faithful, you don't love your spouse enough. And I'm, like I said, I'm preaching to the choir here. John 14, 15. Now, these are, some, these are some scriptures that are simple but tough, okay? If you love me, obey my commandments. Is there any room that we can exegete this any differently? If you love me, obey me, okay? Let me go to four, verse 21. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and we, I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. So he's saying, if you love me, you obey my commandments. If you don't love me, you're not going to obey my commandments. So it's all about love, isn't it? It's all about our love with God and for God. John 14, 24. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. If we're, if we're struggling with obedience to God, we don't love him enough. It's that simple. So we might want to say, God, help me to love you more. Help me to love you more. Help me with this issue. God is there for us. He said, I'm sending you the counselor. You know, the day you got born again, he did not expect you to have it all pat. You know, he didn't say, okay, you're never going to have a problem again. You're never going to have a struggle. No, he knew you were. And he knew we were. What did I'm sending my Holy Spirit to be your counselor? I'm sending my Holy Spirit to guide you. So if you're struggling with problems, addictions, frustration, depression, anxiety, Holy Spirit is your perfect counselor. Holy Spirit is the one and he will lead and guide us into what? All truth. That's his promise. That's his word. And all we need is a revelation from God, Lord. Right? Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember words, I almost just said that. John 15, 7. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, that means we're obedient, right? You ask me for anything and it's going to be granted. That's a powerful promise. If my words, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask for anything and it'll be done. You see the power of obedience, the power of love. John fifteen ten. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. You see the love of the Father, that 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 unity. So Jesus came with better promises, better because they're made available to us free of charge. Better because our debt was paid by His blood, the spot Him. Better because anyone qualifies. 
I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you did before you walked in here this morning. Everybody qualifies. All we have to do is say, God, I, I want, I forgive me for my sin. Anybody not have to do that at least once a week? Anybody? You may not rob a bank or commit adultery, but what you might do is have a little wrong attitude or cop an attitude or say something you shouldn't say or got be, you know, whatever it might be. And the Holy Spirit's right there saying, no, really ought not do that. But you know what we do? We push through. But God, you don't know what they did to me. And I, well, you know, I was talking to somebody last night and, and they, they were hurt in the past. And I said, I understand they're hurt, but I don't understand their bitterness. I understand they're hurt, but I don't understand the bitterness. Hurt is one thing. Bitterness will destroy you. And you got to let go of it. Got to let go of it. But it's better because if we have sinned, repentance is the required sacrifice. We don't have to bring goats and bulls. Please don't bring them in here. But all you need to do is bring the, just bring that, get before God in your car, in your home and say, God, forgive me. I don't know why I had that attitude. I don't know why I do this. I need your help to overcome this. Maybe you have a strong addiction for something. Maybe it's alcohol, food, drugs, whatever it might be, pornography. That's a reality, guys, in the church. Pornography is just as real in the church as it is out in the world, right? There should be an amen to that, right? Okay. So, God, I need your help in this because all these addictions are brain diseases. And God just wants to reheal and set you free. And I've seen some heal just like that and some takes a process. I don't know why. Miracles. God has miracles. God always has a plan. Always. But the Old Testament promises are incredible. So back to Leviticus. I love this. I had to read all the way through Leviticus to get to 26. (laughs) I thought, thank you, God, we're here in Leviticus 26. And that's what I I just want to focus on Leviticus 26 a minute. Does anybody love this chapter? (laughs) You better love this chapter because this is chunk full of promises. You do. Yes, you do. You did not. Listen to listen to three through thirteen. Then we're going to kind of just break it down real quickly. Verse three says, "If you if there's that old word again, if you follow my decrees, if you are obedient, obedient and careful to obey my commands, this is what he says I'm going to do. And we're going to talk about what this means. I'm going to send you seasonal rains. The land will then yield its crops, and the trees of the field will produce their fruit. Your threshing season will overlap with the grape harvest, and your grape harvest will overlap with the season of planting grain. You will eat your field and live securely in your own land." I will give you peace in the land and you will be able to sleep with no cause for fear. I will rid the land of wild animals and keep your enemies out of your land. In fact, you will chase down your enemies and slaughter them with your swords. And I, and I thought about that, slaughter them with the word of God. That's our sword, isn't it? Five of you will chase a hundred, a hundred of you will chase ten thousand. All your enemies will fall beneath your sword. And I will favorably look upon you, making you fertile and multiplying your people. I will fulfill my covenant with you. You will have every surplus, such a surplus of crops that you'll need to clear out the old to make room for the new. Hallelujah. Does that not sound wonderful? And then it says, uh, I will live among you and I will not despise you and I will walk among you and I will be your God and you will be my people. And I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So you no longer be the slaves. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck so you can walk with your head held high. Man, we should be excited about that. Let's quickly, I just want to pull out six things and we could break it even further, but I just want to summarize it. Number one is seasonal rains. That's a promise of God's covenant. Seasonal rains come from when they are needed, right? 
Rains are not withheld and because of rains, crops come, right? What would that be like for us today? That would be favor that God would send up. When you need the money, it's coming. It's going to be there. When you need opportunity, the opportunity is going to be there. God's going to send the rain in its season. And God may send you jobs when you need jobs, raises when you need raises, income investments. God provides because we have been obedient and it comes when it's needed and when it's necessary. How many knows that God shows up on time? Doesn't he show up just on time? Number two is he's promised the harvest. And that's the promise of God's prosperity. In other words, that's what we've put our hand to has prospered. There's no lack. Harvest times over lack so that when one harvest ends, another is beginning. So you don't say, well, I gotta, I've got three months of a dry spell. No, it's going to overrun your next season of harvest and planting. That's how God blesses. It represents productive results, not futility. Overlap means that it overtakes. See, the harvest from last season is going to overtake the planting for the next season. And because of the timely and the consistent harvest times, there will never be a lack for one thing that is needed. Never. God's kids should not lack anything. Now, our lacks and our wants sometimes are different, right? Sometimes we might want something, but that <laughs> might be a little bit, God's might not be in that, right? But he says that you're never going to lack anything. Number three, he says he's going to dispel our enemies. That's the promise of God's protection. God's going to rid the enemies out of our land. He heals our land. Who are our enemies today? They're the powers of darkness that have inhabited our land. They've inhabited our schools and our courts and our government through the decades. This is nothing new. God says, but if you obey me, I'm going to get rid of them. Does that remind you of any other scripture? Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and repent, turn from their wicked ways, he says, I'll heal your land. I'll get rid of the enemies. The next one is favor for fruitfulness and multiplication. That's the promise of God's approval. How many has experienced God's favor? That's when you get something you didn't deserve. When you get a promotion that maybe you didn't think you should get, but God gives you favor on it. Not that you didn't deserve it. You did the work. God's not, he doesn't bless mess, right? He doesn't bless mess. And he doesn't bless what he's cursed. But he'll, he'll will bless our hard work. He'll bless what we put our hands to. Many people want God's blessing, but they won't put their hands to anything. So we have, you know, people ask, why am I, I seem to have a short fall on money. What are you putting your hands to? Well, I've been looking. How long have you been looking? About 10 years. That's how long you've been in need too, right? So we want God's favor. God will give you favor if you put your hands to something. Go out and look for it and God's going to open doors for you. Three is surplus. God never wants us to have just enough. I don't believe God is a stingy God. He never wants you to have just enough. What did it say? You're going to be so blessed you're going to give away this year's to get make room for next year. Anybody experiencing that now? Yeah. We got to say, we got to get, got to get rid of stuff. Got to get rid of stuff because I don't even have room for the new stuff, right? But th- I'm telling, this is what makes God happy. This is what He says about you. And then it says relationship. He said, I'm going to live among you. See, that shows you God's love for you and for me. So God wants to have, God wants to bless us. He wants to give us favor. He wants us to be productive. He wants us to, He wants to protect us from our enemies. He wants to give us more than we need. You've ever been blessed so much you almost get embarrassed telling people about how God is blessing you? Seriously. Seriously. We had friends one time and they were struggling and we were just so blessed. We were kind of reluctant to even say because we don't think they're, you know, they're going to feel bad. You know what? 
Maybe it'll encourage them. It's right to seek God. So relationships. So these are the promises of God. But see, there's a New Testament promise too, and it's found in John 10, 10. Jesus came with a better covenant, with a better promise. And it says the thief comes only, what? To steal, kill, and destroy. I tell you, if we're serving the devil, these are his goals, to kill, steal, and destroy everything you have. He wants to take your he wants to take your livelihood, he wants to take your ability, he wants to take your influence, he wants to steal your goods, he wants to steal your children, he wants to steal your ideas, he wants to steal your dreams in life. But Jesus says, But I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Let me tell you that word life, what it means. That word is the word Zoe. And listen to what it says. It's the condition of living or the state of being, especially healthiness, happiness, exuberance, energy vitality, and the life. Like, it's life filled with potential for all and more than what was promised. He said, better covenant, better... Jesus not only came to fulfill the old covenant, he says, I've come to give you more than what was even promised. And that word abundantly, you know what that means? Great quantity, copious, over and above, superfluous, more than sufficient. You see what God... He's not a greedy, selfish... This, he says, this is what I love to do. This is what I want to do, but it only comes through obedience. And this is what I've found in over 40 years of serving the Lord. If you're, if you're disobedient in any area, if you're not seeing something in your life, God will show it to you because he's more interested in providing it for you than he's not sitting back saying, well, look at you. If you'd have done this, that's what people do. Unfortunately, that's what the church does. We beat up our own people. But that's not what God says. He said, man, I saw you were going to make that mistake. Let me just pick up your hand. Let's just go because look at what I have ahead for you. I have so much for you, so much surplus. You know, what you missed this last year, five years, ten years, whatever it was, it's just a, it's just a, 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 like a sand on the seashore. It's nothing compared to what lies ahead for you. I don't care. I tell people all the, don't worry about if you're 20 or 40 or 100. If you're still breathing, God's got blessing for you. Right? And I know there's some of you that need some things from God. I know there are. I know some personally, and I just feel in my spirit there are some that need something from God. We've done a lot of praying. We've done a lot of decreeing today. We've done a lot of just just proclaiming God's will. But I'm going to tell you, some of you are just one revelation from God away from getting the victory. It's time to let go. How do you get rid of depression? You put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We deal with depression all the time, all the time. We had a gentleman we dealt with recently, um, incredible man. Totally catatonic, if you know what that means. He's just staring ahead, just staring ahead, staring ahead. We put him in treatment. One of our counselors spent about two hours with him. He came out of there talking. His wife was exuberant. See, it just takes the love of God, the praise and the prayer going into people's lives. Now, there's some work to be done. But depression and anxiety is a major problem, especially in the schools too. Especially in the schools. And uh, if you're struggling with that or you know someone that's struggling, get with us. Let us know. We can help you spiritually and we can help you in a mental health capacity as well. When we learn to do God's way, we're going to walk in his blessing. Let's stand. And Dr. Bill is going to come. We're going to seal everything we've done today with communion. So everyone should have gotten the communion wafers and the cup, everybody. Dr. Bill is going to lead us in communion and we're going to just seal every word that's been spoken today.
you all saints you're set apart you have a purpose you're set apart you have a purpose and destiny and you're equipped in everything that we've said and done in worship we are going to seal today by the body and blood of Jesus um, that is the new covenant and that's the old that's the only covenant and it has done it all. And I want to just read from Ephesians to, to start off. I may need three hands to do this. But. Because it tells us who we are and what God has done for us. And, and take this as a message to the, to the church at Impact. I'm writing this letter to all the devoted believers who have been made holy by being one with Jesus, the Anointed One. May God himself, the Heavenly Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because He sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate Him with all our hearts. And He chose us to be His very own, joining us to Himself even before He laid the foundation of the universe. Because of His great love, He had... He ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one. So that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, He has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. This superabundant grace is already working powerfully in us releasing within us all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. And through the revelation of the Anointed One, he unveiled his secret desires to us, the hidden mystery of his long-range plan, which he delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. Because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax, when God makes all things new in all of heaven and on earth through Jesus Christ. Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Before we were even born, he gave us a destiny that he, we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. Lord, we are so thankful for what you've done. 
Your sacrifice on the cross was more than we could hope or imagine because it accomplished everything. Jesus, you said from the cross, it is finished. It means you did everything that had to be done that we would come into relationship with our Father. And we are so thankful for that, Lord. We come to this communion in the celebration of your body and blood, and we don't do it lightly, Lord. You went through the most horrible death sentence and torture that man knew at the time, and you did it taking our place and made it possible that we would come to the Father. Lord, we we look at John 3.16, and we know the verse, for here is the way God loved the world. He gave you his only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. Lord, we believe in you. And what do we believe in you? You are the Son of God. You were born of Virgin Mary. You lived a sinless life. The purpose of your life was to show us the Father, to lead a sinless life, to preach the kingdom of God, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. And because we are in a blood covenant with you, you've given us a responsibility to do the same thing. And we are so thankful. We do celebrate and remember what you've done because it was the way and the only way we could become children of God. And let me read some of John 6, where Jesus talks about the communion himself. Jesus is talking about being the living bread. And Jesus replied to them, listen to this eternal truth. Unless you eat the body of the Son of Man and drink his blood... You will not have eternal life. Eternal life comes to the one who eats my body and drinks my blood. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my body is real food for you and for your spirit. And my blood is real drink. The one who eats my body and drinks my blood lives in me. And I live in him. The father of life sent me and he is my life. In the same way, the one who feeds on me, I will become his life. I am not like the bread your ancestors ate and later died. I am the living bread that comes from heaven. Eat this bread and you will live forever. In the crowd he was talking to, that was an offense. What are you talking about? Drinking my blood and eating my flesh. And many disciples left him at that time. But here was his response to that. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives life. That which is of the natural realm is no help. The words I speak to you are spirit and life. And he said to his 12 disciples, Do you also want to leave? But Peter spoke up and said, And this is our response also. But Lord, where would we go? No one but you gives us the revelation of eternal life. We are fully convinced that you are the anointed one, the son of the living God, and we celebrate in you.
Communion is not just a religious thing that we do. It is a powerful, powerful sacrament. And it does seal everything that we've worshipped and talked about today. Um, have you ever thought about taking communion at home in a quiet time with, with your loved ones? I would recommend that you do that and do it often because of the power in it. And we are all kingdoms. We are a kingdom of priests and kings. Okay? So we have that authority. It's not just something that a priest does at church periodically. Each time we take communion, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. That's from 1 Corinthians 11. And that's one part of scripture you could uh, use for home uh, communion. When we take the body and blood of Christ, we are reminding ourselves whose we are and what he did for all of us. There's a commentary in the Spirit-Filled Life Bible that puts it this way. Every occasion of partaking is an opportunity to just say, proclaim, and confess again, I hereby lay hold of all the benefits of Jesus Christ's full redemption for my life. Forgiveness, wholeness, strength, health, sufficiency. All those things that Pastor Donna uh, showed us from living an obedient life. We not only realign ourselves with Christ, but we also proclaim the reality of heaven over every area of our lives. We And we don't just take communion, okay? Use it as a tool of intercession and use it as a weapon of spiritual warfare. Apply the blood of Jesus to our families and over our families, over our church, our communities, our businesses, our homes, any unsaved relatives or friends. You remember, if you're old enough, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. That power has not diminished in those thousands of years since Jesus made that sacrifice. There's enough power in his blood to cancel any curse, save us from our sin, and to heal our bodies. So let's take the bread and hold it. This bread, this bread represents Jesus and his broken body. It represents our healing. Do you need healing in your body? And we've talked about that today. Do you need emotional freedom? Is your spirit crushed and you need Jesus' healing touch? If you need a miracle, put your hand on your heart. Let this prophetic word from Isaiah sink into your spirit. And it's Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing. The punishment required for our well-being fell on him. And by his stripes, his wounds, we are healed. We are healed. Past tense. Okay.
This is a, a prophetic declaration and description of all that Jesus would accomplish. Peace, well-being, and healing. We are healed and whole. And in Matthew 26, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which has been broken for you. Thank you, Lord. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is being poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Take this and drink this in remembrance of what I've done for you. Jesus, thank you. By your body and blood, we have been saved. We are saved, healed, and delivered by the power of your precious sacrifice. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Yes, yes. Thank you, Bill. It was beautiful. Wow. Beautiful. Well, it's been a good day, and uh, we just appreciate you guys being with us. If we can do anything for you this week, if you need anything, give us a call. We're here. We're available. We love you guys. Father, we just pray blessing upon every person here, blessing every step we go. We thank you for the favor that follows every one of us. We thank you, Father God, for the protection. We thank you, Father God, that our children and our grandchildren are saved and part of the kingdom, Father. We just bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Be blessed. Have a good one.